Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Shred Coach Podcast with Tom Adams. On this episode, Tom chats with Corey Lays of Bins for Shredding based in Barrie, Ontario. As a longtime vendor in the industry, Corey removes his sales hat and shares his deep knowledge about all things collection containers. And there's something in this show for every operator. Corey Lays, welcome to the Shred Coach Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Thanks so much, Tom. I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, jump on with you and help out anybody I can. Yeah, no, this is uh, this is kind of an interesting perspective today. You are, I'll state it right off the bat, you are a vendor in the community. Up till now, I've predominantly talked to operators. And so today we're going to do a deep dive into collection containers, collection bins. I want you, and not just you, Corey, but everybody who's listening today to know there's no sponsorship involved, correct? You and I, there's no sponsorship deal here? <laughs> correct. And so because of that, there's no sales pitch today. What I'm going to do is, as a coach, dig into Corey's unique knowledge of the collection container industry. He can't help but come, you know, you can't help come from the perspective of you represent a company and you sell these things. But we're we're really not focused on that today. We're, we're going to do as deep a dive into collection containers as we can. And I hope if you're listening that you can get some really valuable benefit of that. But to set the stage, Corey, tell us a little bit about who you work for, what you do, what your job is, what your day looks like. Give us a sense of what you're all about. Sure. I am the general manager of Bins for Shredding. I've been in the document destruction industry for the past, I'd say, approximately 20 years. Day to day, I mean, it varies quite a bit. I jump from operations and making sure that production goes well, product coming in and going out. Um, I also get involved with R&D as well as work with shredders directly. And I love to be involved and talk to shredders on a daily basis from coast to coast to see what's working, what's not. And that helps me work with my team to help develop either products or work with customers and help, you know, provide options moving forward. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. So we've set the stage. You've been in this business a long time. You're a GM of a company. So it's not like you're you're just a sales rep. You see the whole picture. You're looking at a lot of different things. But the focus of today is really a deep dive. And so the first question I want to ask you and, and process through with you is from the perspective that you sit watching shredding companies purchase collection containers, bins, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see them making as it relates to this part of their business? What are some of the things they do that if you if you could if you could grab them and shake them and say, "Hey, don't do that," or "You need to don't make this mistake." What what are some of the the mistakes you see them making? I think that the the process as far as purchasing containers over the years has changed. Back in the day, people used to buy hundreds of containers and fill their warehouses and and spend a lot of money up front with the effect from COVID or, you know, possible recessions looming and things of that nature. We've moved more towards a platform of just-in-time inventory. So JIT inventory, we hold the stock, we'll worry about the bins, you worry about your business. So purchase what you need, when you need, and maybe focus on that. Spend your money so, where you need to it. Yeah. So let, let's dive into that one because isn't there economies of scale when you purchase a large enough lot? So if we're doing just in time, just in time would suggest that as one goes out the door, just in time mechanism is as you put three out the door, three show up in the next shipment. But that, that doesn't make sense economically completely, does it? Or So how does just in time work in this environment? Well, I mean, the inventory control has got to be watched very carefully, but I'm not saying buy three bins at a time, but say, for instance, you know, buy 
for instance, two pallets of consoles and a skid of cards versus buying a half truckload. People Got used it. to have the inventory sitting in the warehouse in hopes that they'd land a contract and then mm. they'd, you know, they'd be able to pull from inventory. What's happened is a lot of people, their customers during COVID either closed up or with his work from home scenario, it's like in our building here right now, we've got a couple of different companies. We have a hundred employees. Any given day, I've got 15 or 20 people in the building. So you may have less paper generated. So a lot of my customers have said, Corey, I've been actually removing bins, their scheduled mm. stops and bringing them back. So now they've got a surplus of bins, 200, 300 bins that they're tripping over. Got it. So part of the process is, is to really, or a mistake is feeling like you have to buy the bin to get that one, you know, that particular discount that you get with a truckload. But now what you've created for yourself is a, uh, a warehousing issue, a right. management issue of stuff that you don't need. And so you're paying in advance for something that's sitting there that you don't need yet, where, where a better way to think about it is leverage your vendor for a more just-in-time process and understand the economics of doing that. If you're working with a vendor and they've got an understanding of your business, so whether someone purchases once a year and buys 100 containers or if you split it off and they were, I'd rather them work with me 10 times over the year and have that relationship, that bond, than a one-off and, and trying to do a discount that way, it's going to be able to help their company and, and react to their customers' demands um, a lot more efficiently. So I think it's, it's a stronger bond and a stronger connection and being able to take care of your client better, what I've experienced. Got yep. Got it. Okay. All right. First major mistake we see, you see, is not understanding and working with a just-in-time inventory kind of management system for bins. What, what other mistakes are you seeing? Um, some people have the wrong containers placed. Um, what I mean by that is they take over account and there might be bins all over the place. Some are overflowing, some are extremely empty. So if you walk into an account, you take over account, see what's going on and, and really analyze where the paper is. Maybe instead of coming and servicing four consoles every two weeks, Maybe they'd be better off having a 165 gallon cart or 195 gallon cart you service once a month. Then you look at your routing strategies and make sure that you're actually making money per stop instead of doing, you know, busy work where you don't need to. Even if you reduce the number of stops and the, reduce the charge per bin, you're actually helping the customer out. And then they, they appreciate that because, hey, he's saving me money. Meanwhile, you're saving time and you can reroute your business more effectively. So that leads into, to me, a secondary question, which is I have seen in my history, and mm -hmm. I, I'm not in your business, but I, I see enough under the hood of enough companies that there's this sort of predisposition to, to buy console and one type of bin. That's it. That's all I'm buying. I'm going to buy a standard console and I'm going to buy a 65. Let's right. say those are the only two things I'm buying. But what I hear you saying is if what you see is there's a potential gap in people's thinking when they don't then get a 95, potentially some smaller ones to diversify their portfolio of bins. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Like there's, there's better, where do you see the mistake show up? Cause I hear what the, I hear the point, but what's the mistake people are making? What are they, what are they losing by not having a portfolio of different sizes? I mean, your consoles and your carts are the, your mainstay, and that, that's going to be what you rely on quite a bit. The challenge people run into is if you take an over account and there's 30 bins placed, shredders don't understand or they don't take a closer look at and deep dive into how much are they servicing? Is the bin 25% full, 100% full? Do they need to have four bins on the second level and one bin on the first level? 
So I hear that when people actually take the time and talk to the people who are driving the trucks and servicing the bins and they understand what's going on, they're like, okay, that doesn't make sense. Let's rework this better for the customer and better for us. So it could be either the wrong bin, the wrong size, or the wrong placement. So I think if I can mm. reword it and say, the thing that I think they're doing wrong is they don't have an understanding of the client's needs and the bins used for the client. Got it. So sense. it's more it's more that we just throw things down based on our initial because you know when you do initial walkthrough with a client or you take over an account from a existing vendor mm -hmm. and you tend to just repeat what you see. Yes, but, re right? <laughs> so we repeat what we see, but what I'm hearing you say and and maybe the question I ask you is what's good timing on that adjustment? Like if you've done it for 3 months, is this a quarterly thing that you're adjusting and adapting or is this every six months, once a year? What's what's good timing on this kind of response? Right. On, on rejigging the way you're, you're placing bins, the size of bins, those kind of things. Right. What I do is as soon as you take over, as soon as your first discussion, basically, what is the you know previous provider done? Let's do a walkthrough. Let's have this discussion and see what's happening and see if you're, if they were being efficient or not. And let's, you know, take a deep dive. Then what I do it after three to six months. So after, you know, several servicing, depending on how frequent it is, then you can say, okay, is this working or not? Because I'll place more bins or take some away, but let's make it make sense for you. And then after that, it's pretty turnkey. Then it, it's a matter of just staying on top of things. But I, yeah. I think it's an easy, make sure you start right from the beginning, day one. And then there's that trust built. And I believe some of the handhelds now are allowing, and correct me if I'm wrong, are allowing you to say this bin was half full, was like, you can actually audit in process right now, I, I believe. Well, I think it's a lot easier nowadays to have the discussions. Like back 10, 15, 20 years ago, it was all about saving time and not having right. your own employee shred it. Now people get compliance. I, I have to realize that there could be people that want to steal stuff or be, could be throwing stuff out accidentally or... So now people understand compliance. They understand the reason for shredding. So now you're having discussions about how we, can we make you compliant? How can we save you money? How can we be better than everyone else that is lined up behind me to try and take your business? And that yeah. is just a better understanding. And the clients are more educated now. So it's as long as you're educated and, and you can walk them through the process, I think you've got a better chance to not only win the business, but retain the business. Right, right. So it's really, the mistake here is really not understanding the optimization of a particular client, their account, and the use of your, your collection containers, bins, carts to make that an efficient, ongoing, efficient relationship. Did I hear that correctly? Did yeah. I restate <laughs> that to you correctly? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It may have taken a little while to get there, but yes, I think that's, that's exactly it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So any other mistakes you're seeing in the marketplace right now? Yes. Yeah, so one thing now that the customers kind of understand that compliance and, and the, the threat of, you know, having a breach is a lazy toss. So as you said earlier, your standard is your carts and your console. So that's what everyone kind of gets and understands. What some of, some of the shredders out there have now offered up a shred all program. Basically what that means is having something at, you know, your desk side. So. If you look at a console, it's usually, you know, one console per six people or whatever, however you want to do the math. But what's happening is your client now has a bunch of employees that has to make decision one, two, five, a hundred times a day. Does this single piece of paper, is this confidential, should go into my recycling bin, my garbage bin, or the confidential destruction bin? Right. So they're making decision on the employee, employer's behalf every single day, multiple times. 
But if they had been at a, you know, healthcare facility, it's a nursing station, or it could be a bank teller or a real estate office. If you make sure that every piece of paper that's generated in the office is at some point eventually shredded, you are helping reduce the client's liability, which is huge. I mean, it might be a bit of more investment upfront to buy a couple more desk side or under the desk bins, whatever you want to call them. You're providing more protection, you're getting more paper, and the clients, the, the employees, it's a simple program. Everyone shreds everything. Um, there's no question about what's confidential, what's not, what can go in the garbage bin or not. So I think it's a win-win for everyone. Right. So the, I guess the, the mistake there is that shredding operators, companies are neglecting to see the, I see that there's a couple of, there's a couple of benefits here. One is collection of more paper, which inevitably leads to better results in terms of liability for the client, things like that. But the, the sort of flip side of that or the trade-off in that is that you have to buy more containers, likely smaller ones. What have you seen related to that in terms of the efficiency of collection? How are shredders dealing with the efficiency part of that in that equation? When you when you right. put more, you go to a shred all program, how does that affect the efficiency of drivers who are going in doing the, the actual work? Mm -hmm. It's actually a really good question because what people used to do is run around from desk to desk and empty every bin. So it was very time consuming, you know, a 20 minute stop was now an hour and a half and it, right. it became a, a big hassle. So I'd say over the last six to 10 years, a lot of companies have moved away from the under the desk wood consoles because you still had to go in, take the bag, shake it out type thing. A lot of people have moved towards plastic bins. So the efficiencies there is you could have a janitorial staff member or a compliance officer go around, collect all those plastic bins on a cart, trolley or whatever have it in one centralized location. They can either dump it into a larger 95 gallon bin that the shredder just comes in and, and walks away with, does a bin swap, or they have the bins all locked, but in one location. So the shredder just opens up all the bins, empties them into a larger cart themselves, and then leaves the empty bins where the, again, the janitorial staff or compliance officer will come Got and it. redeploy those bins. So you're not spending as much time as they used to do, but you can still offer that shred all program. So there's, yep. there is the benefit or there is working with the client potentially to get the shred all program, but not necessarily have your driver who tends to be rushing to get through a million right. stops <laughs> in a day, trying to deal with getting into Mary Jo's office to get the console or collection container under her desk when her door is closed that adds layers of complexity it would seem yeah 100 percent. like you usually see it in places like healthcare or places where there's a large amount of paper generated on daily basis and that way too you can also see how quickly the bins fill up and and you know adjust the services accordingly but it's all about understanding your clients and what they need yep. and then building it customizing around their requirements so perfect yeah. All right. Well, let's move on because I've got some uh, mistakes out of you that you're seeing. I, I want to sort of move to more getting, you know, your or your advice. You undoubtedly deal with a lot of people coming to you. And one of the things they're asking for you is perspective. And so I'm going to do that today in terms of, you know, an existing or new operator comes to you. And I want to find out what advice do you have about leveraging use of collection containers and bins? Because I think... What I see is this is an, an opportunity that a lot of people miss. It's just like, you know, somebody else has a shredding company. They bought 50 bins. I'm going to buy 50 bins. But I feel like there's another layer to this that 
they're missing, which is how to use that purchase in an efficient way. You already talked about just in time, but what other advice um, would you give related to how to purchase bins, how to think about purchasing bins or collection containers? Give me some advice. The first thing I start off with is understanding what's available. So for the last 30 plus years, I mean, people saw it as a wooden box, so a kitchen cabinet with a lock on it or a garbage cart with a lock on it. And that's it. Right. People used to modify and make their own, you know, back in the day type thing. So what I'd say is, you know, what advancements, you know, get into going to your shred schools, your iSigma events and understanding what's out there. That's the biggest, you know, regardless of what vendor you choose, understand what your options are and right. understand what they can provide for you. We've seen a big shift in containers going from your traditional heavy duty office type wood containers into more plastic containers, whether it's hybrid or 100% plastic for many reasons, environmentally friendly for shipping, you can ship a lot more effectively. One of the biggest things is I remember back in 2002, 2003, I had people say, I've got these wood containers, they scratch, they ding up, they're a mess. And when I get rid of them, I can't even drop them into the landfill. I've got to go through hazardous waste departments and it costs me money on the back end. Plus I've got more bins and they don't last as long as we would like make a plastic bin. Well, we listened, but it took many, many years to develop that. So we've moved towards products that are safer as well. One of the big things, we've got an operations person on staff. He drove trucks for eight to 10 years, so I can make bins all day long. But unless I really understand how people use them, we don't have a clue. So I went to him and I said, how do you service the bins with a bag? And he showed me and I nearly fell over. I'm like, that's how people, they take the bag, grab it from the top and the bottom and kind of swing it up and their backs all twist and drop on the edge of the cart and shit. I'm like, and, and, uh, I, I just was really surprised to see the way they're actually used versus the way we thought they were used. So based mm. on that and bringing in third party people that look at ergonomics and everything else, that's really helped develop the container. So I'd say, you know, moving towards a lighter weight, more, you know, stronger materials and things of that nature is really going to help as far as the longevity of the container. Safety is definitely a concern. So anytime you have a hard sided container that you can lift up on the edge of a cart versus a bag or something that's loose and can sh shift its weight, that's going to be a definite concern. Cause you think, you and I may move something that weighs 50 pounds, but if you start moving console bags that have 80 pounds in there and you service 50, 75, 100 consoles a day, by the end of the day, your back is pretty much shot. And we know how hard it is to keep labor right. in this kind of environment. So, so what you're saying is the advice I'm hearing is be very clear on the available options to you and the implications of that option. So start with, are you, you, you buying wood or are you buying plastic? Because that, that has an implication, not necessarily today or this week. It has an implication a year down the road. Right. Yeah. And it has an implications in terms of when you have to, when this thing no longer has the capacity to hold together, what you do with it at the end of its life cycle. I mean, there's a whole lot of implications to what you're buying. There's the ergonomic issue. There's the safety issue. So it's really important as you're buying this, not just to go back and buy what you've always bought. It's to think about the implications of what I'm buying and what's that mean to the long-term effectiveness of this investment I'm making in my business. Right, exactly. A lot of people tend to look at bins, like you can buy a, a shred truck and it's fancy and it, it's cool and it's, you know, this big thing that tears everything apart on site. When people look at bins, they think of it as office pens. Like it, it's, it's a commodity that they have to purchase and it's something they have to do. And 
typically the bins right. are now placed free of charge and they just charge for the service. So I, I understand that and I can appreciate that, but why don't you take the bins and look at it as a marketing opportunity? If you're right. more environmentally friendly or if, you know, if you can be placed right. quicker or you can get in and out quicker and quieter, that might be an option. So you, you can use it as a marketing tool or, you know, as far as a financial win, you can maybe place containers quicker for a large rollout. So there, there's a lot of different avenues. And I mean, you just have to have the discussions and find out what's going to work and make, make sense for yourself. So Right. So it's really being aware of the the realm of possibility as opposed to just there's a 65 and a, and a, right. and a collection, like a, a console. Like that's the thing I think I hear you saying is like think deeper about this. On a, on a related note, you kind of mentioned something about one of the things that I often wonder about and I have these conversations is if somebody buys a bin let's let's just use the simple number of they buy it for a dollar how should people think about the dollar invested in terms of the return on that investment or how should they think about how to get that bin paid off like what what process do you explain to people in terms of how to manage that investment and the return on that investment it like do you see it as if i buy a bin for a dollar in three months i should be able to pay this bin off is it a six month how how do you advise people when they think about roi especially in light of you saying well think of it more like just this, this thing i have to buy but there's an investment here that actually has dividends for me but when you think about that, how, how do I think about ROI with bins? How, do, how should I think about it? Right. I, and that's, that's a bit of a challenge too, because you have some people that will service it, you know, on a weekly basis, a daily basis in some instances, but it's typically a biweekly or, or monthly service. There's on-site and off-site shredding. So are you driving, you know, the $250,000 big shred truck? Or are you taking the product away back to a plant-based shredder and doing the shredding right. as well? So your, your costing is, is different. So there's those things to look at and also your windshield time. So how much are you driving to get to that bin? So there's right. all the math that they would do for that. But bins typically, bins are, are pretty good as long as the, the wood bins will always provide. It's something that it's tried and tested and true in the industry, so we'll always do that. So we'll try and do different tiers based on, on people's requirements. But as far as the payback, it, it really depends on how often it's serviced. The more it's serviced, typically the more abuse it goes through as well. So the bins, I mean, the bins in the industry are, pretty solid. I mean, they'll last for several years as long as they're treated well. Educate the customers and make sure they know it's, it's your bins, you own them, because I've seen some that, you know, people put coffee pots and plants and everything right. else on them. So they become right. waterlogged and filthy and everything else, but you'll get several years use out of them. They'll be paid off depending on the amount of service. But is there any rules of thumb? And I'm asking you this because I've never actually asked anyone this before, although I, I hear models in the industry right. of... Let's, for example, and we're not giving any actual number, but if, if you're charging 50 per bin tip or 50 per console pickup, and I realize that's a high number, but go for it. Is there a certain portion of that should be designated towards the bin itself, the payoff of that asset? Is there any rules uh, of thumb around that? <laughs> no. Well, that, well, not really, because what happens is, depending on the marketplace, there is no set number. Like you said, like some people might charge $50 a bin where some people will charge $10 a bin. Um, a lot of people come in the industry and they'll try and undercut everyone, right? right? So they'll even, I've heard of people doing free shredding just to get the paper, but then when the paper prices go back up or the, right, sorry, the paper prices crash, they don't have a business anymore. So 
There's no real rule of thumb, unfortunately, because everyone prices it differently. So (laughs) there's no magic number, unfortunately. Yeah. No magic number there. Okay. So like in terms of you, you said a bin will last two years. What's, is there a process by which you, you can uh, maintain that and do scheduled maintenance on it or something like that? I mean, we do that on equipment we buy, but is there a way to do that on collection containers, bins to extend the life and thus the you know, the ROI on this thing that you're using to collect stuff. Like what's, how, how do you do that? Or is there a process for that? How do you, how do you think about that one? Right. So just first to clarify, when I say the bins will last two years, I, I didn't mean just a couple of years. It could last 10, 20 years. So a lot of bins out there okay. are, have been in circulation since I started back in the early 2000s. So the biggest things is storing. So say for instance, the wood consoles, Make sure there's some kind of feet or some kind of protection so you don't get condensation from cement floors that go up into the containers mm. and, and cause warpage. We had a client that had a large quantity of plastic bins and they actually stored them in a trailer. What happened was afterwards they found out that there was a leak in the trailer and had they been with a traditional type of container, they would have all been destroyed, but they happened to have a plastic one. So in that case, they were <laughs> singing our praises just because it was plastic. But but I would say the biggest thing is just maintaining, making sure it's in, in good repair. The biggest thing is too, that is what represents your company when you're not there. So if right. someone shows up once a month, but your bin is there and it looks like garbage, I would recommend always having cleaning wipes or something with you. So you may not be able to repair it on site, but take note if it's something in, is in disrepair, that is housing their confidential material. So you can't have something right. with a door falling off it. Keep it clean. Make note of if something is is destroyed or damaged and take it offline and, and replace it right away. That's the biggest thing because if something is going a little bit sideways, it's going to fall apart because you may not see that bin for another two, three, four weeks. So right. make note of it, report it right away and get it swapped out. Yeah. Okay. Are, are there any other, you know, tips, pieces of advice for people as they think about their collection containers that you think are really important to, for people to be aware of? I would say... Realize the wear and tear that, that people are, you know, when you're on the truck and, and how much wear and tear and carrying bins up and down the stairs, it, it's a big thing. It, it really impacts the driver. So whether they have 10 stops, 20 stops, hundred stops, it's, it really takes a toll on people. So take the time, talk to the service providers, find out what they're, I would suggest jumping on a truck. If you're a business owner, you've been doing this forever. It's been a long time since you've serviced a bin or actually been into a client's office, perhaps. Jump on the truck, share the time, see what's going on, see how they're actually using the bin, see how, if they've got to go up two flights of stairs with a 50 pound plus container, how do they get it up there? So it's, it's more so about understanding how the bins are used, how the bins are serviced. You know, if you don't know how the person is operating the bins, you don't know if they're going to last or not and how difficult it is on your driver to service the bins. So got it. All right. Mm. Let's, let's move to some innovation stuff. If you're okay with that, it's been really helpful, but I'd, I'd like to move a little bit towards innovation. So what's happening in this, you've, you've talked about the evolution from 20 years ago and you and I've both been in the business a long time. And, you know, I remember, I remember the old original stuff that came out. Um, <laughs> uh, and man, I, it's so cool to see what's happening now, but what are some of the innovations people should be aware of? Cause you talked about bin diversity in terms of making sure you have the right understanding right. Of what's available out there. And I'm not just talking about what you guys are doing, but what, what else are you seeing in terms of collection containers and the, the innovations that are happening in the field right now? Right. 
So I would say a lot of people are looking at different verticals. So it used to be just about collecting paper, but people who just used to collect paper, now they're getting into record storage or medical waste, or a big thing that's happened in the last five, seven years, I'd say, is e-waste. So we're trying to develop containers and actually the whole industry is developing collection processes where you can collect hard drives or cell phones or tablets or things of that nature. And that's made a really big impact. One, you're basically saving some of those essential components. And also you're providing diversity within your company. It's not just about paper. Then you get into hard drives, x-ray films, pill bottle collection. You don't want to have your plastic pill balls mixed in necessarily with your paper collection. So if you can look for ways, hey, Corey, we want to divert this out of our paper stream. Think of paper as being your nice clean stream. And we want to remove everything out of that. We want to remove pill bottles and electronic hard drives and cell phones. We had one client who had a problem with vape pens. So people would Mm. be throwing vape pens in there and they had batteries in the vape pens. Well, Batteries and shredding blades don't mix. So we we came up with a custom solution. So that's one of the things I think is innovations is if you're having a challenge, talk to someone in the industry, a vendor to find out someone's experience, what you're going through. So call us and and myself or someone else in the industry and say, Hey, have you guys ever experienced this? Or it's it's really going to help because someone else has had the problem. There's innovations out there. And if we haven't done anything yet, we can certainly look at making something new. So I think there's a lot of possibilities to to make sure that you keep the equipment running better and keeping the bad stuff out of that paper stream. Right. So it's really understanding not just different ways to collect paper, it's different ways to collect all the stuff that's out there. And given your client base, there may be an innovation you you guys, and I'm talking you guys as an industry, right? Um, collection container industry may have a unique solution that already serves the problem that you're seeing in front of you. And that's that's definitely something to to consider. What other cool innovations are happening right now in the space? Well, I mean, over the time, we've seen a lot of little things, but it's really made a big impact. Like back in the day, you used to, when you closed a console, you had to turn the key to, to make sure it was locked. Well, what would happen is someone would be servicing a hospital Friday afternoon and running through the building as quickly as possible. Well, the, some of the doors were left open. So, I mean, right. you could just walk open and <laughs> simply reach in and, and help yourself. So there has been slam lock or self-closing locks. There has been an addition to internal locking systems that many vendors provide. So what that means is instead of putting a padlock on a cart, you have an internal locking system. So padlocks don't go missing or end up mm. in the blades of a shred- <laughs> shredding equipment. Right. There's been hybrid models or plastic containers to help as far as efficiencies for shipping, longevity. Well, when COVID hit, a lot of people were trying to maintain their bins and make sure that they were easy to sterilize. So plastic bins were easier to clean in that essence as well. The other thing is people have been using bags forever. So as far as safety and wear and tear on shredders, a lot of the surface providers would, they start asking about liners or what, what could we do as far as making a hard body container to make it easier for them to tip? So it's gone from bags to plastic liners to hard-bodied containers. So there's a lot of different things as far as innovations to make it safer for the service provider to actually service the paper. Interesting. Cool. Well, so we've talked about mistakes. We talked about advice you would give to people. We've talked a little bit about the innovations and evolutions that are happening. And and I have sort of, as we come to the end, uh, maybe it's a strange question, but I imagine sprinkling magic fairy dust on uh, in your brain and and you have the ability to go out and sit 10 years from now. So it's 20, it's the end of 2032. 
Okay. What's the what's the collection container part of the shredding industry look like in this weird imagination that I've just created in you? Like I've just messed with your head, right. some hallucinogenic kind of things are floating around and you're seeing the industry 10 years from now. Oh my goodness. Specifically collections. What 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 do you see? And I I'm maybe asking a strategic question of a vendor who are already thinking that, but I just wondered, like, what's out there in the future? What what do you guys see coming down the pipe? I think there's going to be more customization. We've always, as an industry, kept everything very plain, very, it's gray. It kind of blends in with the office and, and there's, it, because you need something quick and you need something cost effective and boom, boom, boom. But right. it's basically society who, who directs us. So I can see a lot more customization, a lot more mm. different sizes, a lot more different openings, stuff to blend in with different office decor which is going to be a challenge for vendors, to be honest, but it's, it, you basically cater to your customer base. So I can see that happening more and more and we'll just deal with it. I think people are going, are going to expect more, bigger, better, and cheaper. <laughs> it's our right. job to figure out how to get there. So yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's a lot of fun. I've been doing this 20 years and I expect to be doing this another 20. So I'm having a blast. I'm dealing with some amazing people and sharing all the stuff that I talk about or all the stuff I share, it's not stuff that I came up with. It's shredders no. who have experienced it. So I share that, not trade secrets, but I share little tidbits yeah. and yeah. it makes a real difference. And that's what's fun. Seeing someone grow from one truck to five to 10 to wherever they want to take it. So I want to be part of that and part of that journey with them. Yeah. Well, Corey, it's it's been uh, really good, and thank you for thank you for indulging my curiosity because <laughs> a lot of times on this show I'm just curious about stuff, and because I love love and live in this industry, I, I'm always intrigued by what I can learn from people like you. And you've always been really generous to me over the years with your insights and perspective on things. So thank you for sharing that with everybody else. I'll make sure people know how to reach you and connect with you in the show notes. But uh, really appreciate you being here and sharing all your cool wisdom, your experience and perspective. And thanks for being for the ride. <laughs> I appreciate it, Tom. Thanks so much for the opportunity and, and I love the industry. So anytime. Thanks again for listening to the Shred Coach podcast with Tom Adams. Make sure to visit theshredcoach.com for regular functional training modules directly from Tom and subscribe to our email list so you can have first access to brand new stories, insights, and strategies from trusted shredding and business professionals.